And we're back. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. This is Dump on the Ump, ostensibly a baseball podcast. Tonight is Monday, July the 6th, coming at you from Champaign, Illinois. My name is Joel. With me tonight, as per not usual, is nobody. My buddy Sam is on a road trip in Tennessee. So I'm coming at you by myself from Champaign, Illinois, because... I wanted to talk to you about something special. One thing that I have thought a lot about, and something we've talked about a lot about in this podcast, is the nature of fandom. Fan, of course, is short for fanatic, and most folks come about their fandom from childhood. I know I'm a fan of the Portland Trailblazers and the National Basketball Association, Because I remember being seven, eight, nine years old, growing up in the state of Oregon, rooting for the Portland Trailblazers, rooting for Clyde Drexler, Terry Porter, Jerome Kersey, etc. My uh, podcast co-host, Sam, uh, past co-hosts, Eli and Jesse, they grew up rooting for their Major League Baseball teams, either the Boston Red Sox of the Seattle Mariners, and they've talked a lot about growing up being a Red Sox fan, growing up being a Seattle Mariners fan. And a lot of the folks that I talk to on Twitter speak very romantically, in my opinion, about being, uh, I'm sorry, attaching themselves to that childhood persona. My father brought me to the ballpark. My mother brought me to the ballpark. That's why I'm a White Sox fan. That's why I'm a Yankees fan. That's why I'm a Cubs fan. We talked about this extensively in our episode last week on poetry and Donald Hall. The passing down from generation to generation of legacy. That's essentially what we're talking about when we're talking about fandom. We're talking about legacy, and we're talking about belonging to a certain kind of community. If your father is a Red Sox fan, odds are he's going to fucking take you to Fenway, and you're going to establish those sensibilities, I believe that's the right word, of becoming a Red Sox fan. If you go to Wrigley when you're eight years old, you're going to establish the sensibilities of being a fucking Cubs fan. My buddy Mike, who listens to the podcast, he is a lifelong Cardinal, uh, Cubs fan. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Mike. And he took me, though, his father, and he, he took me to uh, Bush Stadium, where the Cardinals play, And I got the sense, the sense of generational passing down. They were all both Cardinals, uh, Cubs fans. They were in a Cardinals stadium, but it was definitely a sense of like, this is why we're Chicago Cubs fans. Because my dad's a Cubs fan, I'm a Cubs fan, when I have kids, they're going to be Cubs fans. And I think that's a very powerful thing in sports, especially in fucking Baseball, which is both a strength and a weakness of baseball. And I say this 
Because when I come to Major League Baseball, I feel a little bit of an outsider. I did not grow up having a goddamn Major League Baseball team. I did not root for a baseball team. I root for the single-A Ben Bucks as a kid. Later, the single-A Ben Rockies, who were the single-A affiliate of the Colorado Rockies. And then later for the Ben Bandits, although I was actually a little bit too old for them. There was no Major League Baseball team that I felt affiliated to up through my childhood. The first time I actually got involved with Major League Baseball, the first time I gave a damn about Major League Baseball, was when I was at college in New York State, and I met Sam, who was a big-time Boston Red Sox fan, and we watched first the 2003 ALCS between the Yankees and the Red Sox, and then, thank God, the 2004 ALCS between the Yankees and the Red Sox. And I got to understand that culture of Northeastern baseball, how important it was to them, how important it was. I I had Red Sox fans, I had Yankees fans, who were both my friends, and I, you know, they were fucking passionate about this, you know, on the objectively very silly sports ball game. But that's when I began to understand the importance of baseball. Um, And then in 2007, 2007, I moved to Chicago for grad school and moved to the south side of Chicago. I was going to the University of Chicago in Hyde Park. And I did not have an affiliate baseball team. And I was actually, honestly, uh, uh, looking for what baseball team I support. Now, coincidentally, this was doing... I I moved to Chicago in August of 2007. So the next year, the 2008, you know, starting in the spring of 2008, that was the first full baseball season that I actually started paying attention to. And that was also the 2008 presidential campaign, especially the Democratic primary between uh, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, both of whom (laughs) happened to have Chicago roots. Now, during that campaign, I wrote in my now uh, bunk blog, my blog spot, my blogger blog, a very long blog about how NL teams come from red states and AL teams come from blue states, which I believe is a bias I still carry with me today. So at that time, that was the summer of 08, right? And my question was, what fucking baseball team ought I support? And at that time... Since going back to the year 2000, every AL champion had come from a quote-unquote blue state. That would be the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Anaheim Angels, believe that's it, and the Chicago White Sox. And every 
NL champ, that would be the Arizona Diamondbacks, the Florida Marlins, and the St. Louis Cardinals, they had come from so-called red states. So, I, I, I drew the conclusion, as specious as it might be, that what we needed was an NL champion from a blue state. So I was like, go Cubs, after I wrote that podcast. Blog post. Pardon me. However, that was the 08 baseball season in Chicago, which I contend was a unique baseball season in Chicago. At the time of the Democratic National Convention, when Obama was finally nominated for the presidential, you know, nominated for president by the Democratic uh, Party, both the Cubs and the White Sox were in first place in their divisions. I remember Mayor Daley speaking at the floor of the National Democratic Convention, say, nominating, you know, I hereby nominate Barack Obama to be President of the United States of America because (laughs) Cubs and the White Sox are first place in their divisions. And it was a very, very exciting season. And that's when I became attached to the Chicago White Sox. My girlfriend and I lived on the corner of 51st Street and Cornell in Hyde Park. We lived on the 13th floor of a high-rise apartment building. When we moved into that apartment building, we had thrown in and we had all of our belongings outside the steps of that apartment building, but we couldn't get in because the property manager, her husband, had gotten attacked by bees that morning (laughs) because he, like, worked construction or carpeting or something like that, and he was allergic to bees, and he had gotten attacked by bees that morning, and she had to rush him to the hospital, so my girlfriend and I had to spend hours hanging out on the corner of 51st Street and Cornell, which is the very north end of Hyde Park, right on the corner of Hyde Park and Kenwood, with all of our shit, just hanging out on the corner for hours at a time. And she finally came and let us into our apartment. Now, Obama... Barack and Michelle Obama lived about three blocks down on 51st Street, uh, deeper into Hyde Park than we were. But when he was in town, you could tell because all of the security guards were also in town at the same time. 2008 came and went. The White Sox won 86 games, won their division, went to the um, playoffs, were eliminated in the playoffs. That was very sad. And, but that 
that was the year where I became attached to the South Side. I became attached to the Chicago White Sox. And I became to appreciate Chicago, which is really the city that is closest to my heart. Because, <laughs> I, I don't know how to say this, but in the summertime, Chicago is divided. Chicago is, first of all, the most divided city I've ever gone to. And I've, I've spent time in New York. I've spent time in Los Angeles and San Francisco. And none of those cities have felt like Chicago to me in terms of the racial segregation, in terms of the uh, uh, poverty segregation, in terms of even the cultural segregation. Uh, Chicago is two different cities facing off against each other. And that's what summer in Chicago means. You know, you got the south side and you got the north side and you got to fucking choose one side or the other because there's no in-between there, motherfucker. <laughs> and then the winter descends and we're all Chicago Bears fans and the Bears are terrible. Then there's the Chicago Blackhawks. I don't know what to do about the Blackhawks or the Bulls. I will never be a Chicago Bulls fan, so don't even ask me. Now, one of my favorite, favorite, most treasured memories of the White Sox was that the end of that 08 uh, campaign. And they had to play a game 163 I believe it was against the Minnesota Twins. Maybe it was against the Detroit Tigers. Let me look this up. I should know this by now. They had to win a game 163, and then they had to get, win the wild card game. And they did both. And I was at Shuba's on the north end, because I was living on the north end at that time. And that is... That was... The, the Alexi Ramirez and Gordon Beckham and Carlos Quentin and Jermaine Dye, just these, these really, Jim Tomey was still on those teams, uh, just these really likable players. I don't know how else to put it. These likable players on this likable team that everybody thought was actually going to go somewhere. And, and little did we know that 2008 was actually going to be the highlight. Yep, the White Sox won the AL Central in 2008. They went 89-74, and 74, so that's 163 games. So they had to win a makeup game against the Tigers and then a walk-off game 163 that they won against the Minnesota Twins. And so they ended up beating the Twins that year, 89-74-88-75. And they went, I remember that now, they went to the ALDS, they lost to the Tampa Bay Rays three games to one. And so what does it mean to come to a team, like to adopt a team? 
That's a question that I guess I'm asking in this podcast. What does it mean to adopt a teen? Because I was an adult when I moved to Chicago. I had no uh, alliances, allegiances, no enmities. I didn't fucking hate anybody except for the New York Yankees. So how do you become to be like, yeah, this is my team? For me, it was living in Chicago and living in Hyde Park, which is, you know, the south side of Chicago. It's not the south side because it's it's sheltered, sheltered by the University of Chicago. It's sheltered in terms of race and by class. But you still get to know the inequities of society and one thing I like about Chicago White Sox fandom is that it's it's a big fuck you to the world. It's a big fuck you to the inequities of society because it's not it's not Wrigley Field. That's why White Sox hate Cubs fans more than Detroit Tigers fans or Minnesota Twins fans or Cleveland Indians fans. Because it's a fuck you to Chicago. It's a fuck you to Wrigley Field. It's a fuck you to Wrigleyville. When I lived on the north side in uh, uh, Roscoe Park, uh, Roscoe, Roscoe Village, it's a nice, I liked it in 09, 010. I don't know what it's like now. Um, I had drunken ass Cubs fans puke it on my front porch after every home game. And I understood what it was, even though I was renting at that time, I understood what it was to be a homeowner and be like, you goddamn frat boys, get the fuck off my lawn. You know? It's 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 those sort of, you know, quote unquote privileges that make folks <laughs> so furious at sports fans, that make folks so furious at you know, that's why people hate Barstool and shit like that. Because, like, who are you to get drunk at the baseball game and come to my front porch and throw up on my front porch and then say, sorry, bro, and I walk off and I can't, you know, call the police on you, etc. So now it's 2020. And I think it's a good year to be a White Sox fan. I think that the White Sox have an exciting team. And a I am very, very optimistic. Jerry Reinsdorf, be damned. I'm very optimistic about the Chicago White Sox these days. Um, needless to say, I actually think that the shortened season does hurt Chicago. I thought this was our year to be a good, you know, 85 to 88 win team, probably not be a wild card team, you know, at best be a wild card team, in my heart be a wild card team, uh, but probably not make it. I think the shortened season, I, I've seen a lot of White Sox fans on the internet excited that we're going to take advantage, you know, we're going to get off to a 
a hot stove, whatever. Anybody, anybody can fucking get hot. So, you know, I'm looking forward to this, you know, Mariners be Reds World Series. And honestly, I don't think that's bad for baseball. Um, but I don't think it's good for the White Sox. I think we really needed the 2020 season to develop and, and gel as a team. Honestly, this is the most exciting Chicago White Sox team I have known since that 07, 08 years that, you know, Alexi Ramirez, I swear to God, that guy was going to be a, 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 a superstar. Carlos Quentin, Burley, of course, was on that team, and then the end of Tommy and Jermaine Dye were also on those teams. Those were great baseball teams. And it's really sad that uh, the White Sox did not make any kind of mini dynasty even around that 2005 World Series team. So the next thing I'm going to talk about is my personal curse of how I've never rooted for a team that has won a league championship. So, like I said, I moved to Chicago in the fall of August of 2007. And before 2007, I did not root for any Major League Baseball team. As you all probably know, the Chicago White Sox won the World Series in 2005. And I watched that from my couch in Oregon. And I remember vaguely rooting for the Chicago White Sox to defeat the Houston Astros, but not really giving a damn. I also remember vaguely rooting for the Detroit Tigers to defeat the St. Louis Cardinals in the 2006 World Series, but not really giving a damn, and the Cardinals ended up winning that World Series. One of my earliest sports memories is the 1988 Super Bowl between the San Francisco 49ers and the Cincinnati Bengals. I grew up in the town of Bend, Oregon, which is about a 12-hour drive from San Francisco, about a 6-hour drive from Seattle. And so I did also, I also did not grow up rooting for an NFL team. My only professional sports team that I rooted for growing up after 1991 was Portland Trailblazers. But when I was, let's say I was five years old, I forget it was the 88 or the 89 Super Bowl. Let me Google that for you real quick. But I remember watching this 49ers versus Bengals Super Bowl. And I decided that I was going to root for the Cincinnati Bengals. Could I find Cincinnati on a map? Hell fucking no. Why did I decide that I was going to root for the Cincinnati Bengals? Well, they had cool fucking helmets. Number one, they were named after Tigers. Number two, it was the 89 Super Bowl. Super Bowl 23, January 22nd, 1989. I would have been four years old at the time, but I remember this very clearly. 
their quarterback was named Boomer Esiason, which is a cool goddamn name. And their best wide receiver was named Icky Woods, also a cool goddamn name. And he did the Icky Shuffle whenever he made a touchdown, which is also a cool goddamn thing to do. So on the spur of the moment, four-year-old Joel decides that he's going to be a Cincinnati Bengals fan in Super Bowl twenty-three. Now, what do you remember happening in Super Bowl twenty-three? It wasn't quite twenty-eight to three, but the Bengals went into the fourth quarter with a thirteen to six lead. And ended up losing 20-16 to when Jerry Rice caught a touchdown pass with how many seconds left? I don't know. Less than a minute left. <sighs> I cried. Bawled my tears out. Sobbing on the floor. My parents could not console me because the Cincinnati Bengals, Cincinnati is a town that I had never heard of before in my life, I had lost at the last minute to the San Francisco 49ers. That was the first in a very long history of sports heartbreaks which I will tell you about now. Number two. And this is the only team that I actually grew up, the only professional sports team that I actually grew up rooting for was the Portland Trail Blazers. And I will argue that Clyde Drexler is one of the greatest NBA players of all time. Now, when I was a little, little, little kid, I was an L.A. Lakers fan because the L.A. Lakers had Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson's name was Magic. How could you root against somebody whose literal name was Magic? So as a child, I was a big L.A. Lakers fan, and he had the big old smile. And also, they were you know, really, really good at basketball. But as I got older, I I became uh, regionally attached to the Portland Trailblazers, and I became a big Portland Trailblazers fan. And in 1992, Blazers made their second NBA Finals in three years, and this was against the defending champion Chicago Bulls. The Bulls would defeat them four games to two. And the key swing game was game six. I'm looking it up right now. This is the second time I remember crying in my life. There we go. Game Oh, they're not giving me the box score. 
There it is. There's the box score. Portland Trailblazers had a 15-point lead. 15-point lead going into the fourth quarter of Game 6. The Bulls led the series three games to do, and the Trailblazers went into the fourth quarter with a 15-point lead, and they would go on to be outscored by Michael Jordan and Chicago Bulls 33-14 to in that fourth quarter. And that's where you get that shrug from Jordan with Cliff Robinson wearing his headband in the background. That's the second time I cried at a sporting event, watching a sporting event on television. There's only one time that I've cried at a sporting event in real time, and I will tell you about that someday, but not tonight. Too close, ladies and gentlemen. Why are you the fans of the sports teams that you are fans of? Is it because they have been passed down to you? Or is it because you have adopted them? If you've listened to our last podcast, uh, Sam and I have talked a lot about poetry, about baseball. Donald Hall former American uh, Poet Laureate. And, you know, there is a generational thing about baseball. But we should always challenge that. Why do we adopt new teams? Why do we move to new cities? Why do we move to new states? Why do we find new sports to support Who's your Major League Soccer team? Who is your Quidditch team? Who is your Women's Soccer team? Who is your uh, fucking curling team? I don't know. I think that's a question that we need to keep asking ourselves as we move forward. Especially in these times where uh, the coronavirus plague is really making us see the ruptures in our society. And we used to depend upon sports to heal these ruptures. But right now, sports is failing at that, especially Major League Baseball. And so we need to question these assumptions that we have, you know? Or or reinforce it. I don't know. All right. Alright, this has been an experiment. I hope it works. I'm going to listen to it later. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. Again, this is a podcast called Bum Bum Bum. My name is Joel. If you like what you hear, uh, give us a rating, five stars on Apple Podcasts, uh, and follow us on at Dump on the Ump on Twitter. You can also listen to us on Spotify or SoundCloud. We have a Facebook page. We have a WordPress page. Check those out. They are all under the name of Dump on the Ump. Yeah. All right. Uh, My name is Joel. You know, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for listening. Have a good evening and a pleasant tomorrow.